Today we're starting a new series on Resurrection Sunday entitled Text Message. Um, and I don't know about you, but in case you haven't realized, um, uh, communication is, is a hot word right now in the world. Communication, communication. Um, everybody wants to be communicating with everyone at the same time. I mean, somebody invented group texts group chats, because communication is very, very, very big. I remember when I was younger <clears throat> um, um, and I used to go to work, um, once I would punch out of work, that was it till Monday. I didn't hear anything about nobody. Um, I mean, I, I come from the school where, where I literally saw the first cell phone when it was invented, okay? Um, um, back then, there was no cell phones. Uh, I remember when, when remember, was it Ethernet before the internet? Remember that? And, 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 and internet wasn't, there was no such thing as Wi-Fi. It was, it was a cable. You had to plug it in and, and you go clean your computer and you hear the... Yeah, I know about that. Um, um, uh, internet. When, 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 I remember when, the, when internet first started and it became popular. And, 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 and we, we, really, we really didn't have any other means of communication um, except physical communication, or if you wanted to be super tech, we had pay phones. How many, how many of you guys remember the pay phones? Pay phones. Hey Amen. I spent many hours in love with my wife on a pay phone in the streets in New York. Um, um, but nowadays, everybody wants to communicate with everybody at the same time. And, and one of the ways that we best communicate is through texting. Matter of fact, some of us have cell phones that we can talk in the phone, and somebody calls you, you don't pick up the phone, and you tell them, shoot me a text. We, we rather text than converse through a cell phone. And, and it's, it's, I guess it's because you can multitask, and you can task to one, text one person while you're texting another, and you can communicate with multiple people at the same time, and people rather text than speak in, people, speak in person. And, and even though it's good, but there are some challenges in text messaging. There are some challenges. And let me just say this. Um, 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 well, you know, I, no, I, I ain't going to say that. There are challenges in text messaging. And one of these challenges of text messages is that oftentimes, the person receiving the text doesn't grasp the heart of the person writing the text. Has that ever happened to you? You write a text and somebody misinterprets and you're like, but that's not what I meant. And you lose a friend over a text. It's crazy. Or, or it could be the opposite. You can, you know, you're trying to be courteous to somebody. And you're like, oh, she loves me. No, I'm just sad. You look nice. That was it. You know, you know. That's a challenge with texting. One of the challenges of texting is that oftentimes the person receiving the text doesn't know the heart or doesn't grasp the heart of the person sending the message. And there are many people that have read the Bible, which, by the way, this is the greatest ultimate text message ever written. The Bible is the text. But oftentimes, there are people that have read the text message, but they have not been able to grasp the message in the text. You know how many people know about the Bible? 
You know how many people have, in my fact, you go to the house, they got it open in Psalms 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall. They know the Bible, but they have not grasped the message of this text. And then let me say this, this isn't a new thing. This not understanding the text message goes back as far as 2,000 years ago, 4,000 years ago. The people have the text, however, they don't understand the heart of the person who wrote the text. Text messaging also requires good communication, and good communication requires three things. Number one, first, someone has to be clear with the message. Number two, someone needs to be receiving the message. Have you ever sent a text message to somebody and they don't respond? And you're like... <laughs> because it's not enough to send the message. As you send the message, the second thing is someone needs to receive the message. The person you're communicating with needs to be willing to listen and be communicated with. And number three, or third, the other person needs to let you know that they received the message. Have you, have you ever had uh, uh, what, what they call an ellipsis moment? Ellipsis is when you send a text, if you have iPhones, if I send you a text and you have an iPhone, right? My text message is in blue, yours is in gray, Right? And, and when I send you the message, I know you received it because in the bottom of my text, there's three little bubbles, right? Those three bubbles, that's called an ellipsis. And, 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 and sometimes we send messages and we know you read it. And we're like, pero mira esta. <laughs> and you're waiting and 10 minutes pass and 15 minutes pass and 20 minutes pass. And you're like, oh, no, she didn't. And then you send question marks, exclamation question marks, like, what the heck? And, and like, communication. The person you're communicating with needs to be willing to listen and be communicated. And the person needs to know, you need to know the person received the message. Another challenge is, is that most communication doesn't happen with words. Doesn't happen with words. Did you know that when you communicate, 7% of what you communicate is through your mouth? The other 93% is body language, facial expressions, and looks. I can say, I, I can say something as simple as pick up the paper. That's 7% information. Depending, depending on your culture, if you're Hispanic, 95% is body language. Mira, pick up the paper, pick up the, pick up the paper. <laughs> and you're trying to communicate 7% information, but how you communicate it will either make somebody happy or make somebody sad. And that's the power of communication. A larger percentage of communication actually happens through tone of voice. Pick up the paper. Right? You say it like that. Hey, boo. Pick up the paper. Or if you say, yo, pick up the paper. You will determine how you're going to react by the tone. 
by gestures. This is why texting and all written communication is most easily misunderstood unless it is very clear. Which is why God decided to bring the text message to life. From the beginning, from the first book of the Bible to the last book of the Bible, or from the first book of the Bible up until Malachi, there was a text message written about God toward us. And here's what happens. Here's what happened. People who had the text, call it the law, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, the Pentateuch. These guys, they had the text message because this is the text. The Bible is full of text verses. This is the text message. And God gave the text message. Remember in the mountain, Moses was in the hill, and God gave him ten text messages. Thou shalt not kill Thou shalt not have all the gods before me. Honor your mother. No, no, he was like, I'll keep the Sabbath. And he gave them a whole bunch of commandments. And they had text message. But here's what happened. Because they only had the text message, they didn't hear the heart of the message. They just had two tablets with a message. They began to make sure that they followed the text based on how they felt on the text, based on how their life was going that day, that they failed to realize the heart of the message behind the text. And so God is like, okay, I gave these people the word. I gave them the text message, but they're missing it. Now they're, too, they're focused on ceremonial cleaning and they're focused on tabernacle and they're focused on doing this and sacrificing animals and killing animals and doing this and cleaning the house and beautifying this and an eye for an eye and a two for... There's so much according to that that they haven't understood my heart. So what does God do? Just like, have you ever sent somebody a text with the best intentions and that person caught it wrong? And now you have to be like, listen, listen, let's not text no more. Let's meet someplace. Because that person got offended by something you didn't say. And like, that's not my heart. If you know my heart, that's not what I meant. And so now you got to have a one-on-one meeting to tell them, mama, I off where I see. It wasn't like that. Mama, listen, mama, you know, to explain. Jesus gave us a text message. And when he saw how the people was reacting to it, he said, no, no, but that's, that's not what I meant. So here's what he says. He says, okay, I send you a text message, but here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to come down, and I'm going to explain to you. Look what John chapter 1, verse 1 says. In the beginning was the word, the text message. In what beginning? The beginning of creation. In the beginning. And the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made, and with, without him, nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and that life was the light of mankind, the light that shines in the darkness, and the darkness had not overcome it. What Jesus is saying, what John is saying about Jesus is, Jesus had to physically come down so that we can understand the heart of the message Jesus had written in the text. Because people had the text message, but didn't have the heart of the message. 
Because people had the text message in the Sanhedrin, in the synagogues, in the temples. And, and here's what happened. Having the text message, they missed the heart of the message. So here's what happens. For 1,500 years of history, God was writing a text message. Genesis. Depending, depending your theology, we all know that either Genesis or Job were one of the first books written. Many scholars believe that Job was more, more old, is more older than Genesis, but one day I'll, I'll teach that. But, but, but Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, God, God is shooting text messages to the world, to the world. This is it. This is it. And they're not grasping it. And they're not getting it. And they're like, fifth, can you imagine 1,500 years between Genesis and Revelation? There's a time span of 1,500 years. And the Bible was written by different authors, by different times, in different functions. So one, some books were written during the time of monarchy, others during the time of prophets, others during the time of, of slavery. And through all of these 1,500 years, God was writing a message. And not only to say that it took 1,500 years, but in the midst of it, now God is trying to give a message and a message and a message, but they're caught up on the word that they're focusing on the law of the word, that they're not focusing on the spirit of the word. And then, by the time you get to Malachi, which is the last book in the Old Testament, and you get to the book of Matthews, which is the first book in the New Testament, that little white page between Malachi and Matthew, let me show you it. This page right here represents 400 years of silence between Malachi and Matthew. 400 years pass. And this was the last time God sent a text to humanity in Malachi chapter 4. And he gave him a word from Genesis to Malachi. God was texting and texting and texting and texting. And for 400 years, God stopped texting. To see if they captured the message. To see if they captured what he was trying to say. To see if they captured the spirit. And they couldn't get it. So no, you know what God does? 400 years later. God says, okay, Jesus, you're the word. You're the message. You got to go down there so that they can understand what it is we've been trying to tell them all along. That's why when you read the Bible, every book of the Bible... Well, there are the historic books, the poetic books, the prophetic books, the book of Chronicles. Whatever book you read, in every book in the Bible, Jesus is right there. Because if I take, listen, if I take Jesus out of this book and I squeeze this book, you know what's going to fall? Consonants, vowels, verbs, pronouns. If Jesus is in the, you know what's going to squonk? When I squeeze this bottle, when I squeeze this Bible, you know what's going to come out? The blood of Jesus, the love of Jesus, the mercy of Jesus. Because what makes this book different from any other book you got on your bookshelf is the fact that behind this text message, Jesus is implied through all scripture. Now, please bear with me if you will. As I go through down the list of all of the books of the Bible to show you how Jesus is in every book in the Bible. When you go to Genesis, Jesus is revealed as our creator. Exodus, he is the Passover lamb. 
Leviticus, he is our high priest. Numbers, he is our water in the desert. Deuteronomy, he is our eagle's wings of deliverance. Joshua, he is the commander of the army of the Lord. Judges, he is the Lord of peace. Ruth, he is our kinsman redeemer. First Samuel, he is the prophet, the priest, and the king. Second Samuel, he is the rock of my salvation. First king, Jesus is the builder of a temple that will never fall. Second king, he is the reigning king forever and ever. First chronicles, he is the son of David that has come to rule. Second chronicles, he is the king who reigns for all eternity. Ezra, he's the priest proclaiming freedom to a slave world. Nehemiah, he is the one that restores what is broken. Esther, he is the protector of his people. Job, he is the mediator between God and man. Psalms, he is a song in the morning and my praise at night. Proverbs, he is our wisdom and our strong tower. Ecclesiastes, he is our meaning of life. Song of Solomon, he is the author of faithful love. Isaiah, he is our wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, and prince of peace. <laughs> Jeremiah, he's the weeping Messiah. Lamentation, he assumes God's wrath for us. Ezekiel, he is the son of man. Daniel, he is the son of God that is with us in the fairy finest, fairy finest furnace. Hosea, he is faithful husband even when we run away. Joel, he is the baptizer of the Holy Spirit. Amos, he delivers justice to the oppressed. Obadiah, he is mighty to save. Jonah, he's a great missionary. Micah, he casts our sins into the depths of forgetfulness. Nahum, he proclaims future world peace. Habakkuk, he crushes injustice. Sephaniah, he is the warrior who saves. Haggai, he restores our worship. Zechariah, he is the Lord and King over all the earth. Malachi, he's the son of righteousness who brings healing. Matthew, he is the Messiah who is king. Mark, he is the Messiah who is a servant. Luke, he is the Messiah who is a deliverer. John, he is the Messiah who is God in the flesh. Acts, the spirit of who dwells in his people. Romans, the power of God unto salvation. 1 Corinthians, he is our conqueror over death and our resurrection. 2 Corinthians, he is the down payment of what's to come. Galatians, he's our inheritance. Ephesians, he's our peace at the right hand of the Father. Philippians, he is God that supplies all our needs according to his riches and glory. Colossians, he is he holds a supreme position above all things. First Thessalonians, he is our comfort in the last days. Second Thessalonians, he's our returning king. First Timothy, he is our crown of righteousness. Second Timothy, he is our Christ, our helper. Titus, he is our hope. Philemon, he is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Hebrews, he is a high priest. James, He's a great doctor. First Peter, here's a hope in times of suffering. Second Peter, he is the restorer of all things. <laughs> First John, he is our love and light. Second John, he is Christ come in the flesh. Third John, he is our prosperity. He's our health. He's our peace. Jesus is the Lord coming with 10,000 of his believers in June. And in Revelation, he is Jesus, King of kings, Lord of lords, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And he's coming again. And he who was and is and is to come is coming for his church again. That's the message.
Jesus is in Genesis. Jesus is in Exodus. Jesus in Leviticus. Jesus in Numbers. Jesus in Deuteronomy. Jesus in Job. And he's in you. And he's in me. To the glory of the Father. So he shows up in every book in the Bible to let us know I am he. But they didn't capture it in Genesis. They didn't capture it in, in Mark. I'm sorry. They didn't capture it in Deuteronomy. They didn't catch, capture it in the Chronicles. So Jesus says between Malachi and Matthew, he says, I'm going to come so they can see. So they can see. So they don't get no misinterpretations. So that they don't misinterpret my message. That they can see me in every. He says, and the word became flesh. And when you read scripture, Jesus, particularly in the book of the gospel according to John, seven times he's saying, I am. And I'm going to mention the seven I am's of Jesus. But understand that every I am Jesus says he is made reference to everything that was said of, G of God in the Old Testament. In other words, it's like when you, when you text somebody and they don't get it right. And you say, listen, let, let me go to your house. Let me explain to you what I meant. This is what Jesus is saying. So every time he says I am, whatever he's saying he is, they're connecting to what was said in the Old Testament. John chapter 6, 35 and 48, he says, I am the bread of life. You know what they were thinking when he said, I am the bread of life? When they were in the wilderness and they were hungry and God made manna fall from heaven. He says, I am that. I am the bread. You thought that the bread was something that came from heaven to make you get stuff. No, no, no. I am that bread that in your wilderness, in your desert, if you allow me in, I will feed you. He says, I am the bread of life. John 8, 12. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. John 8, 58, Jesus says, before Abraham was, I am. Because if anybody was revered in Scripture, it was Abraham, the father of faith. Jesus says, before this guy, I am. He didn't say, I was, because I was implied. He lived and died again. No, he says, I am. I am still. Before Abraham, I am. During Abraham, I am. Today, I am. And today, this morning, and today in church, the Lord is telling you, I am greater than whatever you're going through. I am greater than whatever you've been suffering. I am the resurrected king. And if you allow me in your heart, I am will reign in who you are so that you can be like he is. John 10, 9 says, I am the door. To understand this, you got to read Nehemiah. Nehemiah talks about some doors that were knocked down. He says, I'm the door. John 10, 11, he says, I am the good shepherd. You got to read Psalms 23 to understand why he says, I am the good shepherd. He says in John eleven twenty five, 25, I am the resurrection. Come on, say, I am the resurrection and the... What, what Jesus is saying... Listen, you can only resurrect if you, aha, what he's telling them, I'm the resurrection. What he's telling them, I'm going to die. This thing here called body Jesus is going to die. But I want you to know that while I'm dying, don't get caught up on the dying. Because I am the resurrection. And in order to resurrect, I've got to be willing to die. I'm here to tell you, you might be going through situations in your life and things might look dead and your home might look dead and your marriage might look dead but in the middle of your death Jesus says I am the resurrection and 
John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. See, to understand that text, you have had to have been a Jew. When Jesus says, I am the way. How many of you guys ever studied the, 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 the tabernacle? The tabernacle was a tent meeting where God told Moses to build them in the wilderness. And then you had the, the place where you would wash your hands. Then you had the holy place. Then you had the holies of holies. And that was covered by a tent, right? But from the moment you went into the main entrance of the tent till you walked all the way down to the holy of holies, it's like here. This, this school is on what, on what avenue? On Thacker, right? We're on Thacker Avenue. In the holies of holies, the moment you entered into the holy place, into the, into the place of washing hands, there was a dirt road that would lead you to the holy of holies. That road was called the way. The way. So when Jesus says, I am the way, he's saying the only way you can get to the holy of holy, the only way you can get to the Father, the only way, he says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And no one goes out here to tell you, you want to get to Jesus, you got to go through the way. You want to get to the heaven, you got to go through the way. And in John 15, verse 1, he says, I am the vine, and you are the branches. And any branch that is plucked out of me will not bear fruit. But if you stay plucked with me, you will bear much fruit. So I want to tell you, church, that Jesus came to the earth so that you can understand the message of the text. But what gives validity, what gives power, what gives, what gives weight to this text, it's not the parables and the stories and the narratives. That's, that's nice. There are many books about Jesus. There are many books about Jesus that are not in the Bible. As a matter of fact, read the book of the gospel according to John. Read the last verse of the gospel according to John. It says, and there were many other books. No, and there were many other things that Jesus did that if I were to write them all in books, we would not have enough books in the world to archive them all. So, so there's a guy by the name of Josephus who wrote about Jesus. There's a lot of writing. What makes this book powerful is not the writing. It's the spirit behind it. It's understanding the message behind it. So Jesus says, here's what I'm going to do. I'll become flesh so that I can explain to you the message behind the text. So that you don't leave confused thinking that having a relationship with God is going to church. That you don't get confused and thinking that having a relationship with God is wearing a skirt on Sunday and wearing our mitman. No, no. That you understand that it's bigger than that. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to die for you. And I'm going to resurrect from the dead. And I'm going to make this thing come alive through my resurrection power. So that all who believe in me will enter into a life that would be a life of transformation and of power. That's why, my friend, that are here this morning, it's not enough to know about Jesus. It's not enough to read the Bible. It's not enough to put it next to your bed on Psalm 23. That's nice. But do you know the heart of the author? Do you know the reason why it was written? It was written to let you know that you deserve to die, that I deserve to die, that I deserve the cross. But Jesus, the text message, became flesh to take my place so that then as he takes my place, guess what? I take his place. 
And I become redeemed and I become forgiven and I become restored. So what is the text message? Jesus is the text message. Who is the text message? Jesus is the text message. When did the text message come alive? When Jesus rose from the dead. First Corinthians, Paul says, 15, 14. And if Christ had not died, I'm sorry, and if Christ had not been raised from the dead, then all our preaching is useless and your faith is useless. Paul is saying, if this word had not died on the cross and rose from the dead, everything we do is worthless. Everything we do is useless. So that what gives us power to celebrate Jesus is the resurrection of himself. So today, church, I want to challenge you to invite this text message in you. Friend, you might be asking, Pastor, how can I have this text message live in me? Simple. Receiving Jesus in your heart. Believing that he died on the cross. Believing that on the third day he rose from the dead. Notice how when he died, all of his disciples except one stood at the cross. Jesus didn't really care who was with him when he died. But he made it, he made it his business to stay 40 days after his resurrection to make sure that everybody knew he was alive. Because Jesus was not concerned on him dying only. He was concerned on letting everybody know, I am alive. I've overcome sin. I've overcome sin. I've overcome sin. I've overcome death. I've overcome death. I've overcome the grave. And if I've overcome, you can overcome as well. And he stood 40 days with his disciples. And over 500 people saw him alive. So today, Jesus wants to come alive in you. This text message wants to come alive in you.